Hello, everybody. This is Raul Ramirez of the Catch Wrestling Alliance, where together here in this channel, this, uh, this, this, like especially our YouTube channel, our website, everything, we help you to elevate your grappling, and together we keep real wrestling alive. Thank you very much for joining me, uh, wherever you get your podcasts or uh, on our YouTube channel. Um, so, you know, try to make it convenient to everybody. Um, so uh, recently in the United States, actually, I think it just finished, but we had uh, Latino Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, it's kind of weird because it was like in the middle of the of two months. So like it didn't start anyway, but um, uh, so I don't really know the origins of, of that month or, or like why it's like the way it is or whatever. But um, anyway, it doesn't matter. But I wanted to kind of talk about um, something that's really popular, especially I'm in Southern California, uh, all the entirety of like like the American, the U.S. Southwest and into Mexico, right? Um, the, the Mexican style of professional wrestling is very popular. It's called Lucha Libre. We even have um, here in, in Los Angeles, we have Lucha Libre uh, events and stuff. So they, they, they become like really uh, fun, popular events. Uh, so I think a lot of people have, they might have seen uh, Lucha Libre, where it's usually some masked wrestler, and it's really associated with you know Mexican culture. And uh, truly, it is a, a big part of Mexican culture with regards to having uh, a masked wrestler. So let's kind of get into that, because a lot of people wonder, um, like, what is the connection between catch wrestling and this style of wrestling, if there is one at all? So... Uh, re there is a connection. It might not be as strong as um, as it could be, but we're, we're going to kind of talk about it right now like, after a couple messages. Right? <laughs> not ads or anything like that, but I just want to kind of let everyone know that we still, if you want to learn, uh, and if you're in the LA area and you want to train with us, you know, we're at Fight Science MMA. Uh, that's in mid, mid city. So that's like kind of the middle part of of uh, Los Angeles City. Uh, we're there every Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. Also, uh, our UCLA class is going strong. I'm, I'm there uh, Monday, to, yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday teaching. So, um, you know, just if, if you're a UCLA student, you know, please come take the classes. Uh, really, it'll really uh, help preserve the sport and just make you a better competitor overall. Um, yeah, so just want to let you know about that. And then also, if you're not in the LA area, you can always go train online uh, with us at our uh, our website, catchwrestlingalliance.com. That is part, you can join the CWA Academy. All right. With that being said, uh, what are kind of like the origins of Lucha Libre, right? So um, really it does date back a long time ago. And uh, unfortunately, it is like um, it is like really um, like part of kind of like the whole pro wrestling aspect. But uh, a lot of people connect it back to when the second time the the French uh, tried to take over uh, Mexico, and then they brought their style of wrestling. So uh, French style of wrestling later it became known as Greco Roman. So that's like. Uh, when you have all these like upper body throws. So uh, if you see Greco-Roman uh, competition today in the Olympics, um, you, they're not really grabbing legs. It's all, uh, they even have a up, more upright stance. The arms are forward. And then um, you'll, you'll see them even do like a lot of these really high flying throws, um, uh, like kind of like these big pickup things. You know, like, you know, you, you, you'll see when you, if you just look up like, uh, Greco-Roman, you know, you'll see where these people are doing these big suplexes, um, and because that that is the, the kind of like the rules, right, of it. So, um, so let me go ahead and read you read from an article here. the The Daily Iowan uh, did a pretty really great um, kind of like a synopsis about it, right? So we kind of talk about. Um, about it. So in 1863, when the very first luchador 
uh, Enrique Urgatechea invented Lucha Libre. It was inspired by Greco-Roman, the Greco-Roman form of wrestling. Was there, but they're saying it's just because the French uh, were around and they, they would have wrestling events. Uh, so it, it, at least at the beginning, kind of have like more of a, a French influence. But so with that being said, it's like um, other sources kind of talk about that, you know, they, they will all mention this original person. So Enrique Urgatechea, uh, but, um, you know, really professional wrestling. So in so professional wrestling, like which would have been like kind of, you know, catch wrestling. Uh, that was also very popular. So, uh, and kind of according to a variety of sources, it's, it's what was happening or what began to happen, especially at the border, you would have a different U.S. professional wrestling promotions. So this is kind of like we start getting into the late 1800s, early 1900s. So you'd have all these professional wrestling promotions like all over. And then you know, also the, the traveling uh, carnivals and stuff. And so... Uh, a lot of the American promotions started using, um, like, say, like the local people, say, like local Mexicans, or, um, or say, people who are in the U.S. side of the border. Uh, a lot of the, the people of Mexican descent, um, they they would use them, but then they would still, um, you know, make like the American win the match, right? So they would have predetermined matches, right? And so they would have the American come out on top, but then. Ultimately, later, what would happen is that uh, the uh, b basically Mexican-owned organizations started to spring up because they wanted to have their own thing, and then it wasn't in, like until decades later that the whole thing about like the masks and stuff uh, started coming out. So it was actually, and the mask stuff really started. Yeah, 1933 with the first luchador. It was like it was actually like a, I believe he was an uh, Irish person, and he called himself El Ciclón McKee, and he he wanted to kind of change or kind of have a, like supposedly he wasn't really popular, and then he wanted to try to do something different. So he asked uh, for a mask to be made, and then uh, it seemed to go over really well when he competed in a mask. So then. So then it still took some time after that before you get um, you get like a lot of, a lot more people wearing masks. But still today you don't you know you you you'll have some competitors or some uh, lucha libre uh, competitors where they don't wear masks or whatever because there's all these different styles, all different types of people uh, doing it. But um, you know they. It ultimately became a thing where uh, the the Mexican people kind of made it their own. So, it, because they already had a wide, um, like kind of like they have a strong culture. So then, you know, it has a mix of different influences. So that's why you'll see the Mexican lucha libre wrestling be something or like look different from a lot of what you would see in like kind of mainstream. Uh, U.S. professional wrestling organizations, and same thing with like Japan and stuff like that. But like trying to talk about the whole catch wrestling aspect, well, it, I would say it's not as strong because the the Mexican organizations really took most of the influence, not even just for not even like so much from the Greco-Roman wrestling, but from the professional rest like the predetermined wrestling that was that was popular right so um it wasn't necessarily like people were learning like authentic like pure catch wrestling where it was like purely competitive all the time i'm sure just like how, how a lot of people kind of like they like to argue that like oh well like a lot of pro wrestlers learned um authentic catch wrestling through their professional wrestling training. Um, it, while that might kind of be the case, I mean, if you look at uh, a lot of the pro wrestling schools nowadays, it's just not the case, right? They're, they're learning, they're there to learn pro wrestling. So um, that what that means is that 
these people are being trained to work together, to coordinate with another person, to do a lot of these really acrobatic moves, right? So uh, Lucha Libre in particular, they really love to have a lot of these high-flying uh, stunts. So that takes a lot of training, uh, a lot of precision, right? So uh, these people, these athletes are working together to do that more so than to learn authentic catches, catch can wrestling, where it's like a purely competitive match, right? So that's that's where it's like the connection kind of like doesn't go, or doesn't like kind of weakens a little bit, right? But it isn't necessarily like completely weak. And I want to kind of uh, say, because like uh, we know that a lot of the pro wrestling moves have the their origin or at least like the, the, the basis of a lot of these moves come from a legit, like a real move, right? A real wrestling move, right? And so then uh, they learn kind of like that kind of impression of a move. And then, you know, the, together with their partners, they work a whole sequence. Uh, and so that it looks really cool. It's really exciting. I mean, like I, I was at a Lucha Libre event um, actually earlier this year. Uh, yeah, it's really fun. It's really funny, right? Because they, they really... They try to. They really get the story going. Uh, they really try to make uh, everything just really fun. Like they really want everyone to have a great time. Uh, so you have some really great stunts. You also have some some funny story stuff. So it's like it's just really entertaining. Um, but with that being said, they, with regards to the whole kind of the idea of uh, pro wrestling having like the impression of a real move. Uh, that is why, say, so like, I, I might as well bring it up because so they're talking about Lucha. And then even on the, uh, if you see the, on our YouTube channel, the thumbnail image for, for this live stream here, it has a, an image of a, of a comic book that I was the fight coordinator for. So it, here's the, the comic book. It's called, I don't know if you, if you, if you, if you're familiar with this, like from last year, uh, this comic book came out. It's called Milagro, Héroe de las Calles. Uh, this came out last year. Uh, it's crazy. It's like already going to be a year that, that it's been out, I believe. And um, so let me go and pull it up. Let's see where, is it? where are the credits. Oh, yeah, right back here. So I was like the consultant on the, as you can see here. Very special thanks to Raul Ramirez and the Catch Wrestling Alliance for Fight Consultation. So we would work out. Um, so, it, well, if you want to check this out, you can go to uh, Ross Radke's. So I'll see if you can see Ross Radke's uh, website. Hopefully, you can see that. And if you want to get a copy, I think they also have digital copies now. It's really like it's fantastic. It's really well, like you know, it's like it's all professionally done you know it's like very you know these the story is by um guillermo and a lot of these like you know it's it's, it's great imagery and um um so this is about uh a luchador who ultimately has to help uh save his the local town or the local city that he's in so um it so the fights there's so many there are many fights that are real fights so he uses his lucha libre slash catch wrestling to fight against like the bad guys who are harassing his locals his local town so um that is why like say someone like me who who I don't really, you know, I know plenty of pro wrestlers I've done. I mean, I've, I've learned some techniques from them, but I, I'm not a pro wrestler. I don't spend time training at their gyms, you know, doing what they do. Um, so I wouldn't consider myself a pro wrestler, but I, that this is why I can be the fight consultant for uh, something that has a lot to do with like Lucha Libre or even professional wrestling. Uh, because, you know, like the, the, all professional wrestling has like the impression of the real technique, right? So that's how it works. Like that's how uh, like catch wrestling still kind of has the really ultimately it's like the big influence, but it kind of got, got distilled 
over the decades, really. And so you'll so, but the impression still remains. So hopefully that kind of makes sense. Uh, let's go ahead and get to some of your questions. So some of your comments. Uh, Necro Eric four twenty. Uh, I would say for sure, old lucha before it became mostly about insane athletics. It was strictly based in catch wrestling and technical aspect. Yeah, you can see a lot of the even the old uh, video footage. You'll see that impression of like technique. So you'll have some uh, really cool techniques. You know, even some of the like double wrist lock stuff. Uh, uh, you know, some of the kind of like the you know the step over toe hold stuff. Um, yeah, de definitely, definitely. Okay, Gridiron Masters. When I watched in on T, when I watched it on TV as a kid, it looked very much like WWF. Yes, so um, because it, they've you know, well, actually, like a lot of the Lucha Libre has been around longer, right, than WWF, or at least like you know, definitely older than Vince McMahon or whatever. But um, uh, but you can see since like the professional wrestling and, and uh, just by itself has been popular for the longest time. Uh, like so professional wrestling in all these different countries, you know, we're always growing and then kind of like the, the, the Mexican Lucha Libre uh, still developed kind of like its own kind of flair or flavor or kind of like look, even though, again, you can kind of see how it's like the, the catch wrestling, like the overall catch wrestling kind of had that major kind of impression on it. Um, so that's why it would still like how you're saying you could still think it looked very much like WWF or what WWE nowadays, right? Um, Gridiron Masters. It was better when I went to a local arena in Guadalajara. Yeah. Oh yeah. I bet. I bet. <laughs> of course, you, you definitely get like the hardcore fans there, and uh, uh, so you get also like not only the the action of the events you know you get the the crowd really into it who know a lot of the the wrestlers so they they know a lot of the backstory are they really emotionally involved but plus like just being in mexico and um you know all the great food and especially a city like guadalajara um you know very very considered one of the most beautiful cities right so uh i'm sure just like the environment the food the smells all that all that stuff uh, the, you know, the beauty of the city and all that, right? <laughs> Gridiron Masters. I've never seen, I've never seen so many uh, cussing children, right? <laughs> all the the wrestling fans, maybe, I guess, or just, just all over, right? Or I don't know. I don't know. But um, yeah, I'm sure all that stuff, all those layers added, added to the experience, right, of watching pro wrestling in Mexico. So that's kind of what I, I kind of wanted to touch on that because sometimes every once in a while it comes up, uh, but more so even like the Brazilian uh, luta, right? The luta livre. And actually it's kind of talk about the word, right? Um, um, lucha livre. So uh, catch as catch can ultimately in like the romance languages. So like the Spanish, the French, you know, the Portuguese, you know, all that. Um, a lot of it was easily called lucha libre so kind of more of a free fighting and then uh as the olympics so the, Olymp the olympics took like the two of the most popular wrestling styles in the world into the olympics when they when they started doing it again so they took french wrestling and named it greco-roman and then they took uh catch as catch can and then they named it amateur catch as catch can so uh, but over the years, you know, they added more and more rules. Of course, instantly, you know, even before they had competition, you know, no, none of the uh, submission holds were there. You know, they were automatically barred. And then, you know, over the decades, you know, the, the time limit for each match, you know, got shorter and shorter and shorter. Um, and then, you know, you have all these points and, you know, a lot, a lot more rules of what you can and cannot do. Um, so that just changed over time. But in that in the meantime, all these other, all the romance languages were calling that lucha libre or their form of, you know, like luta or, you know, however it's said in um, the other languages. So just over time then, since uh, uh, 
it also became kind of e probably even easier to just say and so then that just translates to freestyle in english so then the, the name just stuck so freestyle wrestling yeah all right thomas wow i didn't know greco-roman was french yeah yep <laughs> so yeah they, they, uh, that's kind of how it, be, it came about and then um because yeah they they, they kind of wanted to create this idea or this they want they said they wanted to pay homage to the greeks and the romans so then um that style they just kind of renamed it All right they didn't name they didn't rename ketra it's kind of funny it'd probably be a shorter shorter name because <laughs> catches catch can wrestling and then they, they called it amateur catches catch can wrestling so it's like a very long name so uh but anyway that that eventually got shortened to freestyle so um yeah they kind of wanted to kind of like or at least have this kind of greek roman kind of callback right since they wanted to do the olympics again there's a really good article about the olympic origins of or not origins but i mean the catch wrestling origins of freestyle wrestling i I gotta probably share it on our social media. We 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 shared it when it first came out, but like several years ago. Uh, but a really good reporter, um, I think from Bloody Elbow, wrote one. Oh, I forgot his name. He he covered our first um, catch wrestling event that was that was held here in in at UCLA in Los Angeles. Um, he did a, a story about that where he kind of where you can read more about the details and how the event took place and you know who won and all that so he has all the details in his article maybe we'll just probably share it on or you can do a like a google search but maybe we'll just share it again on on our like facebook page or our twitter or whatever um yeah so that so like i want to say that like oh yeah cat wrestling is like the origin of like everything but um, ultimately, especially since you see like the, you can, you can kind of look at the dates. So uh, kind of like how a uh, wrestling historian, like our, our friend, Mike Chapman, uh, he was, he, he kind of almost gives like a clear date where almost every, uh, professional wrestling match became predetermined. And it was, I think he was even saying it's definitely very early on. So like around like 1919, I believe he, he said definitely by the end of, the World War One and before World War Two, uh, like it, you can almost consider like every match kind of predetermined or um, almost almost every match. Um, so then you'll see how it's like a lot of the the Mexican federations of professional wrestling. I mean, they started growing around that time, so um, they were definitely influenced not necessarily by the the authentic straight up catches catch can they were they were more influenced by the pro wrestling so you know i would i wish this the connection could be stronger right but it it's uh it's not <laughs> it's just it's more the stronger connection would be to the pro wrestling that was seen uh in you know all the different venues around the united states and the you know the border cities and stuff and then um, with the traveling shows and stuff for like the, so I think in the, some, maybe you can kind of make, you can argue where it's like, well, if they did some real submissions and like these traveling shows, like the, um, you know, where they would, they would try to make it where like someone would pay money to see if they can last, uh, so many minutes or so many rounds with somebody like a real wrestler. Um, so in those, in those contests, sometimes, um, you know, they could use, they can use, um, uh, you know, some real holds like the double wrist lock and stuff. Um, so you, you can see that influence, but I, I wouldn't think that that smaller thing would be as big of an influence as like the huge influence of professional wrestling. Oh, hey, Guillermo. So the author, the, the person who, yeah, the author, right? The person who wrote the story um, of Milagro, right? uh just uh came on and yeah yeah so, he's, so i just saw this thanks for the plug all right well thanks for jumping on and commenting um i don't know if you want to if you took off already or not but <laughs> feel free to make some more comments because basically we're talking about how um the there's more of a pro wrestling connection to 
Mexican wrestling than like catch wrestling, but catch wrestling, since it was, it was such a huge influence on professional wrestling, that's why you see a lot of the moves, like a lot of the moves in pro wrestling, they'll have uh, like a, a real life counterpart of a technique. So uh, that's why say like someone like me can help out uh, someone like you who's working on how to make this character do real fights using the, the like the real versions of these moves. And um, yeah, so let me know if you're still on there. You can kind of give your thoughts or, or um, you know, just let me know. But um, with that being said, yeah, in the comic book, um, you can see how um, there's, there's a lot of really cool moves, like, like a lot of really cool fights um, in it, like in the in the comic book. So, and, you know, of course you can, you know, I should probably put a link to it <laughs> in the description, but I kind of wanted to talk more about that history. It's actually pretty uh, straightforward. It's not like this kind of uh, weird, bizarre thing. And, and it just seemed that the one thing that was like kind of brought up every time was like the really older name where they kind of, uh, where the French, it was like the French who uh, kind of try to have like a lot of wrestling shows in Mexico when they were, when they were trying to take over then and their time only lasted about six years before the mexicans kicked them out but then the like the whole idea of like the pro wrestling that that continued so that that remained popular uh you know fights you know were still popular and and then uh, you know say like even like around you know the early 1900s you know like boxing and you know like fighting's always been popular for humans right so so you'll have all the you know you, you like that's that's really i don't think it's ever really going to go away you know we humans have been doing some kind of like combat sport since you know the dawn of time you know like wrestling is like like our, our friend uh, the historian mike chapman he always likes to say it's like you know there's even wrestling in the bible or even what the oldest book that or the oldest story that we know of uh it's like the the epic of gilgamesh or right? that like right at the beginning there's like a wrestling contest Yeah, so it's like uh, humans, you know, been doing it and been doing wrestling for the since the dawn of time, or or like some kind of combat sport. So, uh, so these shows, whether it be like boxing or, um, you know, or even the professional wrestling, those those are the ones that kind of stuck around, and then uh, those are the ones that you know started. You know, they just influenced each other. But then say like the uh, the Mexicans themselves, then they got they saw that. The mask was pretty successful for El Ciclón, right? So then you see other guys adopt that. And then, so then after, so still decades later, you know, then that's when it becomes kind of like characteristic of the style. So it still, it still took some time. And then you have like the whole acrobatic aspect. Um, then that, you know, that evolved, you know, so, uh, and then, but then that's what you see today, right? So catch wrestling did kind of have the, the influence it left that impression right but um like it wasn't necessarily them learning uh catch as catch can but doesn't mean that like say like um like a professional wrestler can't take the time out to like learn the the real applications or do real competitive wrestling so it doesn't take that away so say like someone like the character milagro in the comic book that's the whole idea where it's like uh, you know, he he learned the real thing. He learned how to use the the moves, but he also learned the pro wrestling stuff. And that's kind of like, uh, if you want to talk about uh, historic catch wrestling school, you can even talk about Wigan, like the Snake Pit Wigan. And uh, so, the whole idea of of the school was like not only to teach authentic wrestling, but the Billy Riley, the head coach, right? He was saying it's like you, like, like actually, even Billy Robinson has a story about it. How um, if if once a wrestler started getting good, um, uh, Billy Riley would ask that person, and a lot of times they they were poor, right? So uh, he would ask them like, "Oh, why don't you take your coach out for a really expensive dinner and all that?" and then uh but then they'll when they say like oh i can't afford that and he's like well look we got to find a way for you to make money in wrestling so it was professional wrestling so the snake pit and wigan had uh 
they don't they didn't only teach like catch wrestling they also taught professional wrestling so that these guys could make a living right um and then the other thing was that like, just to add a side note is that billy riley also uh like encouraged the his wrestlers to also learn a vocation so uh, if and when like they retired from professional wrestling or um like it didn't work out or something happened right so they can have something to fall back on to so that they can still uh, make money right? so they can still be taken care of right um all right we have a question from guillermo uh did regional styles in mexico also in influence lucha libre uh were there particular regions in mexico that were big on wrestling so according to like a lot of the sources that i that i saw and and read about uh, it seemed like a lot of the stuff so of course yeah like the whole french thing where they're bringing they were doing like some wrestling shows and so then that would have been uh you know like all over even more more southern mexico uh but then when you get to like the pro wrestling it did seem like more like northern where it's like you have like a lot of these border cities where it's like the the um, yeah, the U.S. organizations were using Mexican Mexicans in the shows, but then having the American person win. So then uh, you you have um, then the Mexicans kind of like, well, let's, why don't we have our own thing, right? So it seems like there was a lot of uh, stuff at the border between the United States and Mexico. Uh, but then, of course, it spread all you know, like the popularity is like it's huge. So uh, you, you know, you can see shows all over southern united states i even saw there's like a lucha libre like in in england and all that so um but yeah you can see uh, different regional uh influences and actually i, I would i would even say that if you want to see a huge kind of like a uh native influence it wouldn't well you might be able to see some of the aspects of say like native culture and, and native mexican culture in lucha but i think where you would see it the most is actually not in mexico it would be uh, in south america in peru uh, where you have uh, the native women who actually really adopted uh, professional wrestling uh, into their like their pastime in a way so um and so then they don't even call it uh, lucha libre there. So the the women wear their traditional uh, dresses, but I think their their traditional dresses are actually more like Western style dresses. Um, you know, big like the big bell kind of uh, bottom part of the skirt stuff, where uh, those they, they they've kind of taken that as like kind of their traditional dress. So they'll still wear that while they do all these pro moves, pro wrestling moves. And you know have pro wrestling bouts. Um, so instead of calling it lucha libre, uh, so since the original name and they got it from when the the British were there, I guess like according to what I understand is like so the British were there doing mining, and then of course they brought their professional wrestling shows and whatnot. So and the style they would you know they were calling it you know catch as catch can. So then the native uh, women called it cachican. So it's kind of similar, but I think if you wanted to see something where it's like some kind of bigger kind of adoption, where it's just like they even they don't they don't even wear like what what uh, pro wrestlers would wear, right? So it's like uh, you see in Mexico the masks, uh, but beyond the masks, I mean everyone's wearing the boots, the wrestling boots, and you know the tight pants and whatnot. But you'll see in Peru where it's like the women are doing it; they're wearing their traditional dresses and stuff to do it you know so uh it might be something like that real you'll see like an actual regional difference where it's like they're trying to do this in their traditional clothes so hopefully that kind of hopefully that kind of answered that that question but yeah you'll see people you know all, trying to be creative and trying to take take um, influence from you know the local cultures and uh, whatnot, and then just putting it into the professional wrestling structure. Yeah, so I probably should have brought that up, but since uh, I want to kind of keep the focus on, well, I'm glad we got we got a chance to bring it up because I thought 
I think that's so interesting. <laughs> uh, seeing seeing the the women's matches there, wearing their dresses and stuff. But yeah, yeah, the, it's like I suppose it's like a pretty huge thing. So maybe we gotta take a trip to Peru to check it out. All right, Alex seven hundred two. Yeah, yeah, we hit over. We've gone over ten thousand subscribers on this channel. So thank everyone for subscribing. Uh, might as well take this time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I guess now, now uh, YouTube kind of made it where it's like all the subscriber counts have to be shown. So, uh, so there. And it's gonna, <laughs> so, I might as well take the time to to thank everyone for for subscribing. Uh, we should be able to uh, get more long, longer form content. I know, like a lot of our technique videos, they're not like too long. Maybe just a few minutes. But we'll try to put a few more. We'll try to start getting more of those out there also. So if anybody has any like requests or anything, uh, let us know. I do want to, so I mentioned this last, the last live stream. Um, uh, for people who are members of the CWA Academy, if, uh, feel free to ask questions. Uh, and then we will try to do a monthly video answering your questions. Um, um, but like we yeah basically we're gonna just try to add more longer videos i know we've been kind of doing a lot because we have a lot of footage right so i've been cutting it up into short videos so then, i know we've been putting out a lot of shorts um so we'll try to put out more like like uh longer videos uh, now that like uh the schedule and all that stuff with they basically happened to be with the gym. You know, the gyms have been really busy, especially now that like the COVID restrictions are pretty much like all gone. So uh, just finding time to where, where the gym's kind of empty is like been kind of tough. So, uh, but everything's kind of smoothing out. So we'll try to get more, more uh, longer videos. So feel free to ask like, what you want to, what you want to see, what you want us to kind of go over. I know the the professional sumo wrestling competition just ended in Japan. Actually, maybe a couple of weeks ago, uh, but there were real, there were like two or three really cool uh, takedowns that that happened in that last tournament. I wanted, I want, I, I personally <laughs> want to talk about that. So where you can where you show you how to do the takedown and then how to follow through in a catch wrestling way since sumo like once you get the takedown at the match it, you've won the match right if you get the takedown uh but since we all know catch wrestling is not like that i'd want to kind of show how to get that takedown and then show you how to at least get a pin or a, some how you follow through basically in a catch wrestling way so um so yeah we'll keep on we'll keep on going all right Okay, so hopefully you kind of explain the connection. I wish it could have been stronger between catch wrestling and uh, and lucha. All right, Noah. The, hey, hopefully you can come back. The uh, Noah just commented and uh, like he needs a round of applause. Right, <laughs> he drove from from Texas right to come train in LA. So so like we all we also have people driving. You know from really far away to come train so you don't have an excuse right? if you're thinking about it uh you know just come on over yeah so yeah i think but yeah going back to noah's comment yeah sumo catch i dig it yeah no i think it's good because i, I like sumo it's like so fast paced so you gotta get that takedown really quick or you know you can win by pushing them out of the ring or making them uh uh you get a snap down or whatever, just as long as you get them to touch the ground and any with any part of their body besides the bottom of their feet, you win. So um, I kind of like uh, like that. It's like a super fast pace, and then show you how you can kind of get a a, a fast takedown and uh, how to follow through. Guillermo, it did. Thanks. Mexican athletes have always done well. At lighter weight classes and boxing and are starting to do and starting to make waves in mma very true we have uh the woman we're speaking of women uh was it uh irene aldana right i think she's doing really well in um uh ufc right and she she had it actually maybe we can kind of well maybe not on this channel but she had a really cool uh like up kick kind of thing where she got taken down by her last opponent and she ended up like getting the heel like hitting her opponent right in the the side of the rib right and knocked knocked all the wind out of her 
and won that way. And then like the day after she was saying like, I didn't do an up kick, right? Cause that's what they, you know, it's just like the general term for that. And so, um, but she was saying, I didn't do an up kick. I did an ax kick, right? So I think that's something to kind of talk about where it's like, she took the time to just say like, no, man, I did this specific technique. It's an ax kick. And then, um, uh, so kind of like, you better recognize like this, this technique that I did, right? So uh, I think it's kind of worth talking about. We can kind of bring that up maybe on our, our Kung Fu ch uh, channel, like our kickboxing channel. Um, because, yeah, it's like I think techniques like that, like axe kicks and stuff, usually it, I even saw a video where uh, was it Michelle Watterson when she went into the UFC and she started training at that that uh, her her camp was like Winkle John. Hopefully I got that name. <laughs> but anyway, uh, there she's she and she did a brief interview where she was saying like, oh, I was trying to do axe kicks and all this stuff. And then then they told me, don't ever do that. that you know, that's like fake or whatever. But then we'll have someone who just won their fight in uh, in UFC and saying like, I did I did an axe kick. So I think that's something to talk about. Guillermo. I swear, all they talked about in the late, latest ADCC was wrestling. Amen. Right? So, yeah, actually, everyone was talking about that. And the thing is, or like what we've been trying to argue in our on our channel, uh, we should probably do that more. Oh, I, oh, sorry, you have one more comment, right? How could we get Mexican and Mexican American catch wrestlers to compete more in nogi grappling? Yes, I think that's something that really should be done. And so going back to what I was saying, it's like, so yeah, like we've been arguing for the longest time on this channel that, um, you know, catch wrestling is what's going to give you a bigger advantage than just amateur wrestling. Because amateur wrestling, since they, since decades ago, they, 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 made, they made all the uh, submission holds illegal. So then a lot of times uh, the, the person who has a stronger background in amateur wrestling will get submitted right and then you'll see flow grappling right they've had several events where they paid um the like re like a really uh popular amateur wrestler to do a nogi match with a really popular nogi a competitor and it's like the nogi people they won every time so um and you'll see even like, actually, I always want to bring up the example about Ed Ruth. So I believe um, he was such a dominant NCAA wrestler. And then he got into jujitsu and like he does well, but still um, I haven't seen him win like uh, like the championship of like, say, like IBJJF or whatever. He was competing in these things and he, he'll, he'll win several matches, but not the final. So um, I, I think there is like the... I mean, granted, you know, there's so many jujitsu competitors. So I think right now, since they are, like, say, especially for Nogi, they are incorporating amateur wrestling. It's going to get, it's, it's even more competitive. I think the, the qual, or at least like the skill level is going to be high, right? But since you have, a, if you have a style like catch wrestling that is like wrestling based, and especially if you get people who are doing like the wrestling aspect and not just throwing all these like what we call show holds. So doing all the, the, you know just thinking about only submitting the person and not controlling them then um you know if you get people who are doing like the the control and then following through with the submission i think those are the people who should do should fare better right um so uh yes let's try to get more maybe he's got to talk about it more and have more events and and stuff um more catch wrestling matches and stuff too uh, kind of get the get them practicing more and competing more so that they do even better in competition. All right, you got this whole like what the they can learn something, but then the whole the whole aspect where it's like the mental game and stuff like that. So a lot of times, uh, the mental game gets better the more you compete, the more you get used to that kind of pressure, or even kind of like like get used to not worrying about you know that kind of pressure. So, um, um, so there's gonna, um, so no, Noah, uh, are you familiar with the famous Lucha Libre wrestler El Santo? He was trained in BJJ, interesting, interestingly enough. 
Maeda spent some time in Mexico. Yes, so Maeda did. Yeah, he did spend some time in Mexico doing uh, some of the lucha, so doing some pro wrestling matches. So yeah, that's why you'll get like these people doing like kind of like imparting some of the like legit holds and stuff like that. Um, so that's why you'll still get the the impression, right? Uh, and then and then you followed up saying like very El Santo was a very famous. Uh, icon in Mexican wrestling, and so yes, it's very, very true, very, very true. Um, so that's like, so that's why you'll see, like, that's uh, kind of what I'm saying is like, you, you definitely catch wrestling leaves its impression, but many times because people's main focus is the pro wrestling, that's why you'll, you'll, you won't have everyone knowing like all the the competitive aspects. All right. Okay, cool. So hopefully we answered everyone's questions. Uh, yeah, feel free to keep them coming or whatever, or everyone, everyone's comments and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately, you know, maybe by the end of the, you know, who knows if I, I, we want to start doing events again and stuff now that, especially in California, uh, like I think they've, or I think there was a, a news article saying like very soon, like every COVID restriction will be going away, so we can try to get back to it because, uh, you know, we've had, like, the, the best catch wrestling tournaments, so let's get back to it. And then so we can just continue showing people how exciting um, uh, Catch as Catch Can Wrestling is. Noah, awesome. Mexico has a great pro wrestling thing. I'm sure... They have some hidden catch gym somewhere. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Noah would love to compete. All right. Let me see. Are we are we connected on oh if are we friends on Instagram? That I think we when when you met, I think we were. I think we but yeah, just send me a message, please. Yeah, send me a direct message. All right. Oh, so what, what? You don't have Instagram. What? What was it? Do you have my? Do you have my phone number? Or you have some way to contact me, right? Please <laughs> send me a text message if you have my phone number. Oh, my cat wants to wants to say hello. All right. So uh, with that being said, so if anybody wants to learn like the real thing, so we won't do any like show holds or pro wrestling, you know, feel free to um, um, uh, like, you know, feel free to join our CWA Academy or you can um, uh, like say if you if you don't want to learn right, or if you just want to support us, feel free to support our YouTube channel. Uh, that's a huge help and we also offer you know a bunch of uh videos you know behind the the paywall once you become a member and that's all on our youtube channel so uh, all of it's appreciated and all of it goes into uh future events and stuff so uh let's try to keep this going guillermo are catches pinning, pinning principles enough to avoid bjj's bottom game or do you think it's necessary to learn the bjj bottom game uh, I don't think it's necessarily to learn the BJJ bottom game, but um, I think it's I think it's good to understand it. So you don't necessarily have to be like an expert at it, but you should familiar with it, familiarize yourself with it, right? And you should be able to like neutralize it. Um, yeah. So um, yeah. So you don't have to be an expert in it, but just kind of like like learn about it because then you'll see uh examples of you know like some people some like amateur wrestling you know just getting the submit like we saw on the all the flow, res flow wrestling events or <laughs> it's like from the bottom they were able to do submissions but it's like i think these guys just really like the amateur wrestlers just were so unfamiliar with someone like approaching them seated or um you know trying to pull guard and all that it just really well. I, 
I, I can understand because like they they want uh, to only focus on their sport. Like say if they want to try to go to the Olympics, they're only doing their thing. They're only doing that thing. And I, I ran into this when uh, I did a seminar for the Singapore national freestyle team. But then a lot of the, they were really interested, and I, I pretty much only focused on like the pinning stuff. And then um, they're really interested. But then, like their coaches were like, "Oh, well, don't do the submissions because you know you, we want to minimize your risk of getting injured because you know we need you to be doing freestyle and all that." So, so I think this is a kind of similar thing that would happen to an amateur wrestler, where like if they really get to a higher level and they want maybe their goal is to go to the Olympics, so you know they're they're not really doing other things, so they're not taking the time to familiarize themselves with what's going on in like nogi yeah so uh so noah um yeah if you get a if i get a competition going um uh, you'll you'll come out so still contact me because i want i want your contact info so <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you can email through our YouTube channel, but I think you can email through our Facebook page or like you can send a direct message. I think you can email us though. I think that's one of the buttons like on our Instagram, I think. Or you can even send a message like maybe through Twitter. Maybe they all have ways to kind of direct message someone. So, uh, but I think the Instagram has like a button that says email. One of them has a button that says email. <laughs> uh, send me an email. Or or whatever. Yeah. All right, so the, let's try to get things going again, especially now that um, now that we can. All right, so um, I think we kind of I think we'll go ahead and just uh, um, kind of leave it here. So thank everyone for listening. You know, you know, all your support really means a lot, not only to me but to the support of catch wrestling. Uh, so let's just keep this growing and let's, let's share like the sport we love and let's show like let's share like people really doing doing catch wrestling it, that's like the most exciting thing um so the way we do that right is to train more people have matches like authentic catch wrestling rules matches um and just show people what it's like you know people seem to really like all our old uh, events so um, we'll try to keep it going. All right. So thanks again. And, uh, you know, let's keep real wrestling alive. <laughs>